0: Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing
1: federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now,
0: here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Hi, everyone. I'm Martha Shedden, and I'm here today with Mary Beth Franklin, a contributing editor at Investment News and social security guru in my eyes. Um, And so, Mary Beth, I want to start at the beginning. I'm just curious for you to tell us how you became a journalist, because I know that's where you started. Uh, you still are there. but I was one
1: of those little kids who always knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was little. And as I was in high school, I thought, well, I'm going to be a television anchor. That's what I want to do. And I went to journalism school in Washington, D.C., and after graduation, just fell into writing for wire service in Washington. And in the early 1980s, I was a very young reporter on Capitol Hill for United Press International, and one of the things I did was cover the Social Security Reform Commission in 1983. That certainly sparked my interest in the program. Fast forward several decades, Decades, I was primarily writing about money for consumers, Mm -hmm. including retirement planning when I was at Kiplinger's Personal Finance magazine. And I discovered these four secret ways of how to maximize your Social Security benefits back in 2008. Mm -hmm. And the consumer response was so overwhelming. Literally, these were the days when people wrote letters before emails, and I would get bags full of mail every single week with people asking Social Security questions. So I knew I had found my niche, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow. And so that was
0: in 2008, about? Correct. That's about when the software was being developed to analyze all the situations? And so I just think that's wonderful. And I look back on 1983, those changes were so huge. I feel like maybe we're on the brink of something at some time soon uh, with that again, but, but who knows? Um, you have written about regrets that people have over their social security. Um, are those regrets with Certain claiming decisions, or can you tell us more about that?
1: Well, um, many people who claim benefits as early as possible, sixty-two, because you know it's so tantalizing that they can get those benefits, often regret later uh, that they hadn't waited and held out for a bigger monthly check, because the longer you wait, up until age seventy the bigger your monthly benefit will be for the rest of your life. Now, certainly, some people simply have to claim as early as possible 62. Maybe poor health or layoff forces them to retire early and they need the money. I encourage people to go ahead and take it. That's what it's there for. And frankly, uh, for people to have the luxury of deciding to delay benefits till later, um, I usually tell my audience they have to be healthy enough and wealthy enough to delay. In other words, healthy enough that you figure you're going to be around a long time, at least until average life expectancy or later, which is roughly about 85, uh, to truly be able to benefit from um, bigger lifetime benefits and wealthy enough in that, what will you do for money in between while you wait to begin these bigger benefits? Right.
0: So I know there's one a fix for that. And I wondered if you knew of many people who take advantage of the um, suspending benefits at their full retirement age and then restarting later. Do you hear about many people doing that? I actually get a
1: lot of questions from financial advisors who say, I have a new client who just came to me. He or she started their benefits early and I'm looking at their uh, financial statements, and frankly, they don't need the money right now. What can they do to reverse this decision and hold out for a bigger benefit later? And there's actually two separate options. Um, One, anyone has the right to change their mind within 12 months of first claiming Social Security, at which point they can withdraw their application for benefits by filing Form 521. Unfortunately, it comes with a catch. People who withdraw their applications have to repay any benefits they have received. And if anyone else is collecting on their record, perhaps a spouse or a minor dependent child, um, those benefits have to be repaid as well. So that tends to be a less popular option. Uh, the second opportunity, uh, you have to wait until you reach your full retirement age or later. Full retirement age may be anywhere between 66 and 67, depending on your birth year. But at that point, if you had claimed reduced benefits early and you wait until your full retirement age, you can then suspend your benefits. The good news is you don't have to pay anything back. The bad news is those benefits you've been getting each month stop. But the incentive to suspend your benefits is the fact that those benefits will now start growing by 8% a year, earning those delayed retirement credits up until age 70. So if you'll um, indulge me, I'll give you an example of of who I think would benefit from suspending their benefits. That would be great, yes. Let's say we have um, a married couple, and uh, the husband is the bigger breadwinner with the bigger Social Security benefit, and he decides to claim his benefits early at 62 His full retirement age is 66. So by claiming four years early, he's taking a 25% haircut on his benefits every month for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. And maybe he was okay with that, but it didn't occur to him that if he dies first, he's leaving his widow with a smaller survivor benefit because a survivor benefit is worth up to 100% of what that deceased worker was collecting at time of death or entitled to collect at time of death. Um, If he collects a smaller benefit early, it means his widow is going to get a smaller benefit. That man at full retirement age may want to suspend his benefit. Um, His checks are going to stop, but now they're going to start growing by 8% a year. So let me give you an example. Let's say his benefit at at full retirement age of 66 was $2,000 a month but he claimed it early at 62. So he didn't get $2,000 a month. He got 75% of that or about $1,500 a month. If he suspends at 66, those checks stop, but now they're growing by 8% a year for four years. That's 32% more. If I multiply that 75% benefit he started with by 1.32, I come out with 99%. He will have effectively restored his full retirement age benefit when he resumes his benefits at 70, and if he dies first, that's the benefit his widows go to get.
0: And that's um, such an important topic for couples, the survivor benefit, um, because of how women, um, and you can talk more about this, the, just the factors that women have more to lose as in a couple's situation, because historically they have lower earnings, and maybe you can talk a little bit more more about that, right? Well, Social Security
1: is crucial for women. Um, women represent more than half of the beneficiaries over mm-hmm. age sixty-two, and more than three quarters of the beneficiaries over eighty-five. Why? Because women tend to live longer, right. and as you pointed out. They tend to have lower lifetime earnings because they often have sporadic careers with time out for child care or elder care later. So consequently, their their average lifetime earnings are lower, which means they're Um, Social Security benefits tend to be lower because they're in and out of the workforce and have lower salaries. They tend to save less for retirement. So they end up with a smaller retirement nest egg, a smaller Social Security benefit, and yet they live longer. So they have to stretch those smaller resources over a longer retirement. So when it comes to married couples, I tell people, you need to think of this as a household decision Uh rather than two individual Social Security claiming decisions. And the prime motivation for most married couples should be, how do I maximize the survivor benefit? And I do that by having one spouse, preferably the one with the bigger Social Security benefit, wait up until age 70 to maximize that benefit. But I often tell those couples that given that one is planning to wait till 70, it often makes sense for the other spouse who's often the wife with the smaller benefit to go ahead and claim reduced retirement benefits early at 62 if she's not working or at full retirement age if she is because it brings some cash flow into the household Mm -hmm. and takes away a bit of the sting of having the other spouse wait up until age 70. And here's one of the great secrets of Social Security, that even if that wife claims her retirement benefits early and those retirement benefits are permanently reduced, it will have no impact on her survivor benefit if she's at least full retirement age when she claims them. So in this scenario, she could claim reduced retirement benefits. And if she is widowed, she could still step up to full survivor benefits later.
0: Which is huge. Right. And so in regards to that about claiming early, and you mentioned that people seem to be more aware about that they need help with their social security claiming decision. Have you seen some trends uh, about people maybe claiming a little later than 62? Because it used to be the majority of people claimed at 62. Right. Uh, Over the last several
1: decades, the uh, claiming age has definitely uh, been increasing, which is great news for retirement security. Uh, A few decades ago, 60%. Of women were claiming as soon as possible at age 62. That's dropped to less than a third now. And there's new research from uh, the Center for Retirement Research that indicates the incidence of people claiming as soon as possible at age 62 is even smaller than Social Security data would indicate huh. because there are so many more people in the baby bi- generation who are turning 62. So they said you should look not just at the number of people who are claiming at age 62, but the percentage of people who are turning age 62 who are claiming early. And there is virtually double the number of people who are turning age 62 now than a few decades ago. So the good news is only about a quarter of people are claiming as soon as possible. The question is, will the COVID-19 pandemic have any impact on those long-term trends. We certainly did see um, some people were forced out of the workforce due to the pandemic. Either their jobs disappeared as a result of the recession that followed the pandemic, or because they were older and poor health, even though they had a job, they were afraid to go to that job and they voluntarily retired. So there may be a temporary blip of people claiming as soon as possible in 2021 or so, but whether that will have a long-term impact, we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yes. And that was going to be my next question was this whole issue with COVID and the pandemic. And it's we're still sort of in the middle or towards the end, but um, I think it's hard to, to see what's ahead. Do you have a sense of the big picture takeaways from the pandemic, whether those there's positives or negatives or any of that. Well, uh, certainly, I think one of the common phrases we
1: heard during the pandemic is we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Some people were in rowboats, and some people were in yachts. We've been talking about the um k type recovery where some people, primarily um, white collar workers who were able to work remotely, hey, they were doing great. They got to stay home. They were spending less money. They weren't traveling. They weren't going out to restaurants or sporting events and they kept getting a paycheck. These were the people who were doing home improvements and um, racking up bigger savings accounts and 401k balances. Unfortunately, there were a lot of people, particularly those in um, uh, lower income jobs with lower educations, uh, who either lost their job or because they were essential workers were forced to work. They didn't get any savings out of this. You know, Maybe they were right. restaurant workers and instead of working a 40-hour week, they were working a 20-hour week, but they still had commuting expenses. A lot of those people were seriously hurt by the pandemic. And again, it could have a long-term impact on their uh, lifetime average earnings, which in turn could affect their average Social Security benefits and their age at when they maybe were forced out of the workforce and might have to claim benefits early. So Social Security, um, again, that the sad fact is for the people who have the ability to wait and maximize their social security benefits by waiting until age 70, they're often in people that are in higher income jobs mm-hmm. and are in better health and have the luxury of waiting. Right, And it's the people who really rely on those social security benefits for the bulk, if not all, of their retirement income, mm-hmm. they're usually the least likely to be able to delay because many of those people, particularly in physically taxing jobs, simply can't work much beyond the earliest
0: claiming age of 62. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, If you had the power to extend the social security program for the indefinite future, what changes would you make? Well, I think it would be a two-pronged attack
1: because it's not just a, um, a mathematical equation. It's a political equation. And I I say this going back to my days of covering the 1983 Social Security reform, which when you look back, they really made some brilliant compromises. Uh, Traditionally, Republicans hate to raise taxes, uh, and traditionally, Democrats hate to cut benefits. And consequently, the uh, Bipartisan Commission back in the 80s, chose to do a little bit of both. Basically, everyone has to be equally unhappy to get a successful compromise. And I think that will apply going forward. The problem is the longer we wait Mm -hmm. to create a solution, the more drastic that solution might have to be. I think at this point, you often hear uh, that maybe we should raise the Uh, maximum amount of wages each year that should be subject to payroll taxes. Right now, it's roughly $142,000 in change a year. That means if you make that or less, you pay FICA taxes on your entire earnings. If you make more than that, maybe $500,000 a year, you're only paying FICA taxes to fund Social Security up to the taxable wage base of about $142,000 a year. Back in 1983, during the social security reform, one of the statements they made was, as long as 90% of US wages were being taxed for FICA purposes, social security would be good in perpetuity. It was fine for the foreseeable future. The problem is because of growing um, wage inequality, So many people make so much more than that taxable wage base and are not paying FICA taxes on that excess that currently only about 83% of U.S. wages are being taxed for FICA purposes. So if you were to gradually raise the taxable wage base to bring it in line with 90% of U.S. wages, you're probably talking maybe $250,000 a year being subject to FICA taxes. You couldn't do that all at once. It might be phased in over a 20 or 30-year period, but that would go a long way to improving funding. Um, You always hear complaints from small businesses that hey, we can't afford to do this. You know, we employ people. uh, We have to pay as both the employer and the employee. Well, I usually, uh, my rebuttal is, for many of those small businesses, how many employees do you have who are making over $142,000 a year unless you're a law practice or a medical practice or some startup company, right? I think on the other side is you have to look at our, Um, increasing longevity. When Social Security was founded in um, 1935, more than 85 years ago, the full retirement age was set at 65. Now, more than 85 years later, our full retirement age has only increased by one year, despite (laughs) enormous gains in longevity and it will eventually increase by a total of two years to 67. And the other brilliant thing they did in the 80s was that final piece of the Social Security puzzle, raising the full retirement age to 67, will not occur until 2027, more than 40 years after that legislation became law. I think that's a great example of how to take a major critical economic and social program like social security and implement changes over decades so everyone can adapt. I don't think it was great public policy uh, back about six years ago when there were some changes to the claiming strategies. One took effect in six months and the other was phased in over four years that changed the rules for a lot of people who had planned to use those claiming strategies so the longer we can phase in changes the better off we'll be
0: i yeah i couldn't agree more and i, I again it's the 1983 bipartisan budget act is such a wonderful example i mean they um, they thought it would extend the longevity of the program i think for 10 or 20 years and now it's been close to 40 um, let me think what else to ask you here. Um, if I can interrupt for a
1: second while yes, we talking about other proposals. So consequently, I would say that you may see um, a further increase of the full retirement age, maybe to 69 or 70. I know that's very right. controversial based on what we just discussed, how a lot of people can barely make it to 62. But you're talking maybe for today's two-year-olds might have to wait till 70. You know, they they have six decades plus to get used to that. Uh, I would also think it's important to keep the earliest eligibility age at 62 because so many people in physically demanding jobs may not be able to go beyond that.
0: There's so many parts of the social security program, though, that can be tweaked. And one... I mean, you didn't even mention raising the FICA tax rate, which has been at 6.2 for decades, but yet there's all these other aspects that can, can be changed. So um, fingers crossed. Right. I think um, you have to keep in mind that
1: while social security benefits are progressive in that long-term low-income workers Uh, receive a larger um, percentage of their pre-retirement earnings in the form of Social Security benefits. They get a larger percentage of what they earn during the years. It's a smaller dollar Uh amount compared to high-income workers who only might get 25% of their pre-retirement earnings rather than 40% of a lower-income worker. But the tax itself is pretty regressive. In other words, it affects lower-income people harder because it goes on that first dollar of earnings up to the cap, where at the moment, very high-income workers stop paying that FICA tax, at least the Social Security portion, once they get to the current taxable wage base. So there's a certain argument that maybe by raising the the earning subject to the tax is a fairer way of doing it rather than raising the actual tax rate that would apply to everybody. But all of these proposals are uh, very controversial and that's the hard part. Um, You'll hear uh, some people say, well, maybe we should tweak the way the um, inflation index is applied. And when you talk to some economists, they'd say, well, the current COLA is too generous. We should do something like the chain CPI. And then you have people that are advocates for retirees saying, no, the current COLA is inadequate. It should be more generous. So there's a lot of talk of increasing benefits for certain populations for people who stay home to be caregivers that they should be getting some sort of social security credit or there should be a bigger uh, larger minimum benefit for people who are you know basically living in poverty so there's a lot of push how to make social security more generous for those people who are almost totally reliant on it and at the other end or people saying, but, you know, the tax burden for workers can be enormous and we have to make sure that there's something there for future generations as
0: well. Right. Uh, it's such a huge problem. Um, based on what you have experienced and what you know, what do you think are the top two or three most important takeaways for individuals that are approaching retirement when it comes to claiming their Social Security and their overall retirement planning? Well, I think uh, Social Security, particularly
1: in this era of disappearing pensions, for so many Americans, may be the only form of guaranteed income that they will receive every month for the rest of their lives, no matter how long they live. Mm -hmm. And unlike private pensions, Social Security is adjusted for inflation almost every year. If there's measurable inflation, then Social Security benefits go up. That alone is a critical benefit but it was never meant to be the sole source of your retirement income. It's a piece of the retirement income puzzle. So it's important to look at what are your other sources of income and can you afford to perhaps rely on other sources of income, whether it might be um, earnings from a job or tapping your IRA or your 401k, earlier so you can afford to delay Social Security and benefit from those 8% per year in delayed retirement credits between your full retirement age and age 70. And the reason that's so critical is we have been living in a virtually zero interest rate environment for more than a decade. And even though there's talk of interest rates um, generally increasing in the future, there's no place else that you can get 8% a year guaranteed in a, quote, risk-free investment. Right. So for those people who say, hey, I'm worried Social Security is going broke. I'm going to grab it as soon as I can at age 62. Get it while it's good. My reaction is um, it does not make sense to claim reduced benefits early out of fear. It's a bit like... Selling your stock portfolio when the market takes a dip. Mm-hmm. All you have guaranteed is you have locked in a loss. You need to have a good reason to claim early. I'm in poor health. I may not live a long time. Okay. You may want to claim early. I lost my job. I need the money now. Okay. You may want to claim early. I'm scared it might not be there for me. Ah, Not such a good reason. Let's look at how to maximize your benefits because- at least um, historical precedent is Congress seldom change benefits for existing or near retirees. They tend to give it this long runway for future retirees who are decades away from claiming benefits.
0: Which makes a wonderful sense for that. Um, So I think we've sort of reached our, our time. Mary Beth, I sure appreciate you. Um, doing this with me and all your insight. And I know that, that people um, would welcome following you and knowing how they can reach out and find articles you've written. Can you Can you tell us how they can do that? Sure. I
1: write a weekly column on retirement income with focusing on Social Security and Medicare for investmentnews.com. People can always Google my name, Mary Beth Franklin, to find my latest articles. You can also follow me on Twitter at MBF, RetirePro. And I have an ebook that I update every year called Maximizing Social Security Retirement Benefits, and that's available to uh, buy and download at maximizingsocialsecuritybenefits.com.
0: Wonderful. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to talk about? Uh,
1: I think you hit all the high points, and I congratulate you on your new podcast, and I appreciate the fact you're trying to get this really important information out to both consumers and financial advisors, because Social Security is a critical piece of any retirement income plan, and you may... There's no one right answer of when should I claim Social Security benefits. It's very personal, but it's an important decision. And if you're not sure of the details, make sure you get help.
0: Yes, it's definitely a personal optimal decision, I like to call it, rather than just maximizing lifetime. I feel it's so personal. It is very much the optimal time and situation for a family. So... I can't thank you enough. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Mary Beth. Thank you, Martha.